Uh, hopefully you've been running through the Proverbs challenge. It kind of matches the series about better decisions. Proverbs are just a bunch of axioms, uh, wisdom for us in everyday life. And there's a couple this week that jumped out to me. Um, the first one has to do with our words. And did you know that your words have the power of life and death in them? Did you know that? And I was reminded of that in the Proverbs this week that uh, the tongue is a powerful tool that you and I both have. And the words that you speak can either speak life into other people or they can, they can tear someone's life down. And so therefore, we should be very careful what we, what we do with our words. Such a great little bit of wisdom, no matter where you are in life and what you're up to, uh, how can you use your words for good and to build someone's life up? And then this morning, I came across this one, so I threw it in at the last minute. Um, from Proverbs 22, so it's the 22nd, and that's today. The prudent see danger and take precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And this is exactly what our series is about. This is like the, the foundation of our series, that the prudent, those who are wise, look ahead and see what's coming. They see danger, and they make adjustments as necessary those who are unwise, or in Proverbs, if you've been reading Proverbs, the foolish, don't be a fool. They just go with the flow. They, they don't see what's coming, or they don't care about what's coming. They just run headfirst into it all. And so we have to make decisions on how we're gonna live our life, and that's what this series is all about. And more often than not, Better questions lead us to better decisions, which lead to fewer regrets. That's the path we're on. So we've got five questions uh, that we're tackling. And here's the deal with your decisions. I know this is all review. I'll, I'll get there. Don't worry. Uh, the thing with your decisions is that our decisions, um, all of us, they, they are creating for us a path or a direction in our life. Uh, they, they, are, they are determining or forming the character in our soul. So your decisions are forming you into someone. Are you, are you being prudent? Are you wise? Or are you foolish with, with who you're becoming in your life? They also impact the quality of your relationships. Your decisions are impacting the quality of your relationships every single day. And your decisions are writing a story, and you might call this the legacy question. Your, your decisions are, are creating a legacy for you. So what story do you want to tell? What, what story do you want your life to, 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 to reflect um, after you're gone in the lives of those that you love? So here are the five questions, or, or here's three of them, and then I'll give you one more today. Um, question number one was the integrity question. Am I being honest? And am I, am I being honest with myself? Uh, the legacy question, what story do I want to tell over time? Last week, Don talked about the conscience question. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? And really, that's about the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit doing something in me or around me that I should pay attention to? And today, we're talking about maturity. Aren't you glad you made a great decision and joined us today to talk about maturity? And the question of the day is this. I'm going to give it to you up front. Here it is. What is the wise thing for me to do? It's a great question. Now, the challenge with this question is most of us know what the wise thing to do is. 
The trouble comes in doing the wise thing, right? So the question of the day, which can help us get to better decisions, what is the wise thing for me to do? Now, I took a step back from this question, and I wanted to, I wanted to think about wisdom a little bit differently. I wanted to make sure the way I was understanding wisdom was maybe what we're finding scripturally. And Eugene Peterson was a pastor. I really look up to Eugene. Um, he passed away a few years ago, but he talks about wisdom in a couple different ways. And he says this, that wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves in. Does that make sense? So it's the art of no matter what conditions we find ourselves in, wisdom is the ability to live skillfully in all of those different conditions. I, I like that. I like that thought that wisdom is, is, is not necessarily the same as knowledge. You can have a lot of knowledge and be a fool. You can quote me on that. <laughs> you, you, can, you can have a lot of knowledge and still be a fool. You've met them before because you're laughing. Like you have a, a, like a picture in your, in your mind. Be careful. Judgment. It talks about judgment even in Proverbs. So be careful. Um, <laughs> You, you can have all this knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to take some of that knowledge, but more importantly than that, to live skillfully no matter what arises in your life. How do I live skillfully no matter what it is that comes up? And he goes on. He goes a little bit further with this. So, so this is where he takes it. Wisdom is becoming skillful. Now, look at all the, the breadth of, of places in our lives. Honoring our parents and raising our children. Can I get an amen there? Like... Wisdom is about doing that well, handling our money and conducting our sexual lives. Like wisdom is about being careful in those different arenas of life. Uh, going to work and exercising leadership, using words well and treating friends kindly, eating and drinking healthily, cultivating emotions within ourselves and attitudes towards others that make for peace. This is wisdom. Now I, I want you to just take a, a glimpse of that the breadth of it, don't you wish you, your loved ones, and all the people you interact with could live like that? It'd make the world a much better place. If, if we could become more skillful in honoring our parents, raising our children, handling our money, conducting our sexual lives, going to work, exercising leadership, all these different things, if, if, we, could, if we could some way live more wise, we, we, could, we could live more skillfully, it would just make our world a much better place. I, I, I find a lot of um, truth and, and help in the Bible Project. Tim Mackey has been working really hard to, to, to help us better understand Scripture. And when he looks at like the wisdom book, what we call the wisdom books in Scripture, one of those is Proverbs, the wisdom books in the Bible are inviting readers to see themselves and their own stories as simple reenactments of the Adam and Eve story. Now think about this. The Adam and Eve story that sets the, the whole framework for scripture is that Adam and Eve, who they, they, they walked with God, they were friends with God, and God basically gave them free reign and just simply said, there's, there's one thing that I, I would ask you not to do. Like, don't eat from this one tree. Now, you can work that out however you, you want to work that out theologically. There's, there's a lot of different ways to understand that, that um, 
conversation and, and how that happened. But what we find with Adam and Eve is that rather than continuing to walk with God, they basically went the opposite direction. They turned their back on God and pursued what they thought was best. And in doing that, they, they found this, um, this natural break from the, the creator. Like they, they were separated then from the one who had created them. Does that make sense in, in some way? And so what Tim Mackey is saying is that the wisdom books, these little bits of wisdom are trying to help us see ourselves in the same light as Adam and Eve, that we have been given, in a sense, a lot of freedom in this world, but there's also some, some guardrails to keep us safe, and we have to make decisions. Have you ever been, has anybody ever been hiking in the mountains? <laughs> and in the mountains, like if you go hike, some of you would laugh that I call these mountains the foothills. If, if you go hiking in the foothills or, or go in, in the mountains, there's a reason there's trails and there's a reason there's signs that say, please stay on the, the trail. There's guardrails and those guardrails are there to keep you safe, to keep you in, 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 in a way to experience the fullness of the mountain without putting yourself in dangerous situations. And that's what the books of the, the wisdom books like Proverbs are trying to do. They're trying to help us live in such, such a way that keep us safe and experience the fullness of what God wants us to experience. The human condition, and I'm gonna talk a little bit from experience here, and I think you can identify with this. We have the tendency to live as close to those, those guardrails or to climb over those guardrails, assuming they're for someone else. <laughs> Some of you just did this like hard look at the person sitting next to you. <laughs> That's not for me. Now let me give you some, some common beliefs, and, and these beliefs form our decisions and move us. If it's not wrong, it's all right. Some of us believe that. If it's not illegal, it's permissible. Now I'm getting into your business. <laughs> if it's not immoral, it's acceptable. If it's not over the line, it's fine. Some of you are like, oh, I'm gonna start quoting that. <laughs> if it's not over the line, it's fine. This is a picture of how so many of us live life. And I think wisdom would say, that's not it. That's not the best way to live, to live on the edge, to live on the line, to live over the line, to, to live as close to immoral as possible without get, getting there. Now, I told you I would, I would tell you from experience, one of, my, one of my biggest questions to my youth pastor in high school was, how far is too far? And some of you know what I'm talking about. What's the line and what keeps me from crossing the line? Like, I wanna get as close to the line as possible. Some of you are like, Matt, that's too much honesty. I'm just telling you the truth, and before you point at me, look in the mirror, because some of you were there too. And what I wasn't considering was what are the consequences of living that close to the line? What, what are the ramifications of, of pushing to the boundaries. 
And how does pushing to the boundaries eventually lead us to jumping off the cliff? Now, come on. It's what many of us do, and not just in some of those ways in high school or or college, but it's what many of us do in the adult life we're living right now. And the wisdom that we're trying to find, not just in Proverbs, but at the heart of, of Scripture, the wisdom we're trying to find is actually found in Jesus. Jesus, if we miss Jesus in the conversation about wisdom, we, we just miss so much. And what happens is we begin to live in certain rhythms or patterns. We, we pick up certain habits, and we don't just believe these things, but then we begin to make excuses. And here are some of the excuses you and I have, have, have used in our life. I'm not doing anything wrong. It might be unwise, but it's not wrong. People do worse all the time. Now, I'd love to ask you if you've ever said that to yourself. But I know the room would be full of um, hands raised and liars. So (laughs) I'm not hurting anyone. Nobody will know. This is just me. I can handle it. Anyone? I I can handle this. I can stop whenever I want until you realize you can't. It's not against the law. God always forgives us. And it's true. But it doesn't mean it's wise to live that way. Are you with me? Man, it got so quiet in the room. (laughs) Have you ever said any of these things to yourself? Isn't that an interesting way to live? It's like living with no margin. So let me ask you this question. Um, What would you do if you saw a toddler at a pool standing alone like this? What would you do? You'd get over there, you'd grab them as quickly as possible. Why? Because there's no margin for error when you see this. There's no margin for error. Yet, this is how so many of us are living life. Come on. I mean, we're living so close to the edge, relationally, financially, sexually. All, I mean, I can fill in the blank with all these. Different, we're living so close to the edge, and there is no margin for error. And just like we would run to save a toddler standing, teetering on the edge of a pool, that's what God wants to do with you and me. He wants to rescue us from living in a way that could lead to our drowning in life. Uh, Andy Stanley, in the book, Better Decisions, uh, he talks about, sometimes I, I, I read these stories and I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You know what I mean? He, he talks about when his kids were teenagers, he, he came to the, conclusions that, the conclusion that curfews were ridiculous. Like having a curfew was ridiculous. And I thought, whoa, liberal? Like, that's crazy. I can't believe I just said that. Anyway, um, 
I thought, that's ridiculous not to have a curfew. And here's why he said, he said, because when I was young, when I had a curfew, my goal was to get home as close to curfew as possible without missing curfew, which meant that when I was at that party or at my girlfriend's house or at my best friend's house, and they said, let's play one more game. I looked at my watch and I thought, I can just drive a little bit faster. And he said, what curfews did for me was it made me the most reckless driver you could ever imagine getting home. And so with my kids, I decided we're not going to have curfews. We're going to have leave times. You must leave that house by X time. So rather than having a curfew at midnight, the leave time is 1145. And because we have phones that can be tracked, we know exactly when you leave that certain place. And I thought to myself, that is brilliant. It's brilliant. Some of you who have young kids, like write that down. That's such a wise thing because you don't want your kids to live with no margin. You want your kids to live in such a way that gives them space for mistakes and unexpected circumstances in their life. Now, some of you at this point are like, is there a passage of scripture somewhere in here? <laughs> there is. And Paul, who wrote many letters in the New Testament, one of the first Christians who was trying to help Christians and himself, trying to wrestle with the message of Jesus, uh, the landscape of, of uh, kind of the Hebrew and the Jewish world, like he was trying to bring all of this together and help us know how to live. This passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter five I, is such a powerful uh, passage. If you, if you, and I say this all the time, I know. If you miss everything else from today, like write this down, write this passage down and put it somewhere where you can see it. Paul says, be careful how you live. That in itself, just that one line, if, you, if we memorize that, be careful, I need to be careful how I live. And he goes on, he said, don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And what the, the, the literal translation, make the most of every opportunity, it literally can be translated, redeem the time. Like redeem your time. Like you have this much time, like redeem that time. Make the most of every opportunity. And then he points out, these are evil days. And, and that might come across as a strange phrase, like evil days, what does that mean? It just means that there are a lot of things around us, and obviously they were present back then as well. There are a lot of things around us that entice us and pull us in to very dangerous circumstances that can ruin our lives. That's what it means. There, these are evil days. There are temptations, there are circumstances, there are things all around us that are begging us to, to enter in. And he says, make the most of op these opportunities. Don't act thoughtlessly. That's the proverb that we read just a couple minutes ago. Don't run through life with your head down, right? right. When, um, little football analogy for those who... Um, don't care. You can tune out for just a second. Um, when, when I was playing uh, defense in, in football, we set up these different defenses, and uh, the coach would say, this is where you should be on this play. Like, you should be right here. And we would oftentimes be in that spot, and still a receiver would catch the ball. 
And the question becomes, well, I was, or, you know, the statement becomes, I was exactly where you told me to be. And the coach would say, get your head on a swivel, which means be looking, because I'm not telling you to stand right here on this yard line and not move. I'm telling you to be in this space and get your head on a swivel and find the person who's going to catch the ball and go hit them. <laughs> you, you can be in the right spot and still miss the opportunity that's in front of you. Like if you're, not, if you're not looking and watching and living like thoughtfully, you're living thoughtlessly with your head down. Like get your head up. Get your head on a swivel and look around. Make the most of every opportunity, Paul says. Don't act thoughtlessly. And then to give us, just to give us a picture, and I think we can all understand this, he says, don't be drunk with wine because that can ruin your life. Have you ever seen someone whose life was ruined by drunkenness? Anybody ever seen anybody whose life was ruined by drunkenness? Like, it's, it's all around us. And so it's just this real image that we can see. He's saying, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled by the Holy Spirit. God's desire for you is to live a full and good life. Like he wants that for you. And in order to pursue that, he's, he's saying be filled up by that spirit from God. Like God wants to pour that into you. Uh, Don talked a little bit about that last week. Like, like live in that flow. John Mark Comer um, makes this statement. He says, every thought that we have needs to be filtered. And I agree with that. I, I, I believe that's true. Every thought we have in our minds um, needs to be filtered. Don't do everything that comes into your mind to do. That's unwise. Like filter the things in, 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 in your mind. Um, so this is the question, the maturity question 2.0. And if you drifted out for the football thing, come back. I'm, I'm done with the football. Come back. Um, the maturity question 2.0, in light of your past experience, so I'm going to give you some just real concrete pieces to think about. In light of your past experience, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Now, so you're taking into account those three specific pieces, and I'm going to give you three examples of this. Um, I have a dad that I've shared with you grew up in a really difficult home life, and uh, his dad was an alcoholic, and um, my dad's father committed suicide, and my dad found him uh, at 15 years of age. And as you can imagine, um, my dad has, has been living the consequences of that his entire life. You know, he's 70-something years old now. And um, my dad decided at a young age, that he just was not gonna have alcohol for himself and he was not gonna keep it in our house. And so I grew up, I literally grew up with no alcohol in our house, never experienced um, what that was like to have that in our house. And my dad said, I didn't do it because I thought, um, I, I didn't do it because I, I thought it was immoral to have alcohol in your house, so don't hear what I'm not saying here. He's like, it's, it's not that alcohol is necessarily wrong. He said, I did it because for me it was unwise. Because I saw the consequences of what misusing alcohol can do, 
and I wasn't willing to take that risk for my family. Does that make sense? Now, would it have been easier for him to go with the flow of culture and you know, have a glass of wine, and would that have been bad? Probably not. But he made a clear decision to say, in light of my past experience, I'm gonna cut this potential risk out of my life. And I look back on that and I think, that was a wise decision for him. It was a wise decision for him. Whether or not you agree or disagree, whatever, but it was a, a wise decision for him. And he looks back on that and he does not regret one bit that he made that decision years and years ago. He, hasn't, he doesn't feel like he's missed out on anything in life. Okay, in light of your present, so for you, your, your past, uh, oh, go back just for a second, your past experience, like what is in your past, what's back there that, that could impact your, your, the decisions you're making today? Like how does wisdom for you need to be seen in light of what happened in the past. But then also your present circumstances. Robin and I, our kids uh, played sports at one point with some other kids who um, uh, their, their mom's uh, husband, first husband had passed away. And she made this really conscious decision. She said, you know what? While my kids are in elementary school and middle school, I'm not gonna date because my kids need to have my full attention and devotion. And you know, we thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to like, think about it. But what a powerful picture of wisdom to say, in this season, because of what's going on and because my kids already don't have a dad, what, probably what's most important in this moment is for me to stay focused on them and do all I can to raise them in a healthy environment. And in the future, I can go date and do the things that I wanna do in the future, but for right now, based on my present circumstances, what, what's the wise thing for me to do right now? That's wisdom. And that's why these questions are so powerful because they pull us back and help us to wrestle with the realities that we all have, whether it's our past, our present, or our future. Um, I had a, a, a friend, a mentor, who as soon as I graduated college, he pulled me aside and he said, Matt, I wanna challenge you and I'd like to make you, I can't make you, but I'd like to make you, I would, I'd, I'd like to, to help you take 10% of your income and put it in a retirement account and if you start doing that today before you make any decisions, what it means is you're making a decision for your future that you'll look back at on and you'll be very thankful for. And I was like, I don't know if I wanna do that because like, I could take that 10% and I could go to dinner somewhere nicer than Fazoli's with my wife. But I, but I stepped back and I said, you know what, in the future, I do want to have a, a moment where I can maybe retire in the future. Um, I'm still a long ways off, but one day, maybe. And so I decided at that point to do what he encouraged me to do. And because Robin and I had some future hopes and dreams, we wanna travel the world, like there's some things that we wanna do, we decided to like take 10% of our paycheck every month or bi-weekly, bi whenever we get paid, and we're just gonna put that away. And he said, if you do it now, you'll never miss it. And he was right. And so many of us don't think about future hopes and dreams, we think about what's right in front of us. Are you, are you with me? Does that make sense? Like, man, I wish I would've had this book 
35 years ago. Because I think I would have a lot fewer regrets if I would have these questions. And some of you are thinking, man, I wish my kids... Listen, it's never too late, and we've been saying this the whole time, it's never too late to pursue wisdom in your life or to help your kids or your grandkids. Buy the book and send it to them. Um, help them to walk through these things, to be careful how they live. And, and the commitment we're making is, I'm going to do the wise thing. I'm going to do the wise thing. Now, here's some questions um, for, for reflection. I've asked this every week. How does it feel to know you're the common denominator of all your bad decisions? <laughs> feels terrible, but it's true, and we need to know it. We're the common denominator. It's easy to blame it on other people, but we're the common denominator of all of our bad decisions. It's us. And so if our decisions are going to get better, it's up to us. Is there a habit or is there an area in your life where you've been repeating the same mistake or unhealthy decisions over and over again? How might a wise decision today put you on a better path? How might that change you? Um, I've had friends who have made decisions to uh, engage in the 12 steps or AA because of a path that they've been on. And in doing that, you know, rather than just repeating the same thing over and over and over again, uh, one of my old pastors said, you know what insanity is, Matt? It's doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a, a better result. And so, you know, wisdom is about seeing the danger that's ahead and adjusting accordingly, right? And then, is there, do you have any future hopes and dreams that might benefit from some current plan or decision? And will you do the wise thing with that, whatever that is? Now, I, I, um, I, this Andy Stanley, the book, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, um, something that he says in there that I just wanted to, to, to end on for this conversation on wisdom is this, that the purpose of this question is not to stop you from doing something wrong. It's to stop you from doing something unwise. Because unwise is the gateway to regret. So the whole concept and scripture from the beginning to the end is trying to help us make better decisions with wisdom, to use wisdom, to, to, and then in the New Testament, as we begin to understand the Holy Spirit, to be filled by the Holy Spirit, who then gives us the strength and the direction to, to make those wise decisions. It's not about getting as close to wrong as possible without falling over the edge. It's about doing the wise thing. And here's the challenge with that is, Nick, that's different for you than it is for me, right? Roger, it's different for you than it is for me. It's different for Nick. I mean, it's different for all of us. There's not, like, so often I just wish, God, I wish your Bible was just full of, like, here's the line, don't go over it, and you'll be fine. And if you read the Old Testament, that's what the law was about and they realized it didn't work. Wisdom's different than that. And um, I'm just glad we're on this journey together. And I hope and pray that for you, um, you're learning to let the Holy Spirit fill your heart and mind, like I'm learning to do as well. It's, all, it's a journey for all of us. I'm gonna ask you to stand, and 
uh, we're going to sing one last song, and I just want to give you some, some space to respond. And I'm going to give you a few specifics. There's candles in the back of the room which represent God's presence. And maybe for you, there's an area in your life that you've been just wrestling with um, bad decisions, unwise decisions. And maybe you need to light a candle and just say, God, I need your spirit to help me with wisdom. So maybe you want to do that um, at the candles. Um, we have a, a prayer team. There'll be a couple prayer members up here. There'll be a couple in the back as well. And um, maybe you just need someone to pray over you during this time, and we want to give you the opportunity to do that. There's communion in the back ring. And um, communion is just a, a very visible reminder of God's love and sacrifice. And so maybe you want to take the bread and the cup, the body and blood of Jesus, to be reminded of God's love and forgiveness and his grace for you. God, as we sing, as we respond, we're reminded that you are the same God that walked with Adam and Eve. You are the same God who forgave over and over and over again. You are the same God. You are faithful through all the Old Testament into the New Testament. You're the same God who entered our world through Jesus. You're the same God whose spirit now lives in and around us. So God, I pray that we would know that spirit, that we would know you. We know your freedom, your love, your grace, your mercy. But God, I also pray that we would know your wisdom so that we may live skillfully no matter what circumstances turn up. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.